Welcome back to the Business Growth Advantage. Today, we're going to be diving into a really powerful question, which is, what is one three-letter word that will transform your business, your team, and your life? And I loved this question. When my good friend and fellow business consultant gave it to me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be an amazing conversation. I'm so honored today to be bringing on Kim Adele Randall. Kim Adele has become not only one of my favorite consultants that I get to work closely with, she's such an amazing, like positive person. You guys know that I like to keep positive minded people around me. And man, I just feel so fortunate to be a part of some of these higher level teams that I'm on where we're helping really great business owners to be on a shared team or board of advisors with Kim Adele is a real pleasure. Kim, thanks for being here today. Oh, Joey, thank you for having me. And I'm right back at you, lovely. I love being on a team with you. I think we're, we are all learning so much and the impact when you see the breakthroughs for each other, for the team, for the businesses that we're working with, it's just a privilege to be part of, isn't it? Well, likewise. So Kim Adele Randall is a very high ticket, high value business consultant, speaker, author. Kim, we'll get more into your background and things. And by the way, you might throw some great Englishisms into this conversation, which I love, but let's get right into it. What is this magical three-letter word that can transform you and your team? Yeah, it's a really simple word, but trust me, it's powerful. So the word is yet. And the reason that's so powerful is we tell ourselves things all of the time and our brain believes what we say. It doesn't understand if we're helping or harming. It's slightly flawed that way. So if we say things like, I'm not good at speaking, I'm not good at business, I've not got a multi-million pound business, our brain thinks, no, you've not got it and you're not interested anymore. So it, it stops looking for them. If we add the word yet to whatever we're saying, so I'm not good at speaking yet. I'm not got a multi-million pound business yet. I'm not brilliant at maths yet. The yet opens up the subconscious brain. It gets your subconscious brain to go, oh, wow, yeah, this is really important. I'm going to find a way for that to happen. I'm going to find a way to make that work. And it's a bit like you know, if you've ever, you ever decided that you're going to buy a car and you can't be looking for, and all of a sudden, all you see everywhere you go is that car right because there's more cars on the road it's because your subconscious brain now knows it's important to you so it goes oh joey wants to look at a mercedes it's brilliant like we're gonna have every mercedes we're gonna make sure he sees it we're gonna go over there because we're trying to give him the we're trying to point the opportunities out for him to achieve whatever he's saying 
But sadly, the same is true if we tell it something we don't want. It will start to find all of the opportunities to bring that because it doesn't know we don't want it. It just knows that's where we're focused. I love this example. And I think it is so powerful because it's so often for us to feel like I'm not X or I'm not good at Y. And just adding the word yet after that really changes your mindset. I love the way that you talk about this isn't just here's something that that you can use on yourself, which is helpful, but also a really great tool to help with team. Can you talk more to that around how leaning into this word being really helpful if you're leading a team? Absolutely. It works everywhere. I would use the example of my little girl's five. She's my pride and joy. She's singing really loudly at the moment. She's being really quiet. So She's all good. She'll come home from school and you see this later on in life in, in your teams, but she'll say, oh, I'm not good at colouring mummy. I'm like, I'm not good at colouring yet, but look how much better you were at colouring today than you were last week. Look how much better you were last week than the week before. How do you now feel about colouring? She's like, mummy, I'm quite good. Exactly. Mm got that passion to get better do the same with your team when your team come and say I'm not good at this say I'm not good at it yet what could we do to help you be good at it what would you like what things could we give you that could help you get better to give you more confidence Mm. also you can share your belief so we don't as, as human beings we don't want to be stupid we don't want to look foolish we don't want to be wrong so what we tend to do is we look for ways that we're not going to be any of those things (laughs) so if I ask somebody to do something if I give somebody a job to do it's because I think they can do it because if not I'm gonna look really stupid I've given them something they don't do so once we realize that actually if someone's giving us a job to do if someone's giving us an opportunity then that's because they believe in our ability to do it we can borrow Mm. belief and we can go okay what do you see that I can't see because you're giving me this because you think I can. I don't think I can, so tell me about it. But as leaders, as business owners, take the next step. Say to them, the reason I want you to do this is because I believe that you absolutely can do this, that you can really step up to to the mark. And that's because I've seen you do this and this, which gives me the confidence that you can do this as well. You'd be amazed the difference that has on the team and on the team players, getting them to share with each other what they value in each other, what do they see in each other that they go, do you know what, this is what I love about what you do. Because Mm. what we tell ourselves versus what other people view of exactly the same situation can be, I mean, literally miles apart. I remember, it must be nearly 15 years ago now, being told I'd got to go and do a branding exercise. And I had to go and ask people that I knew, like, and trusted, what were the two or three things that they admired about what I did? And what Mm. were three things that they thought I got in my own way and they came back almost unanimously with you're brave and fearless and I don't understand mm-hmm. I don't I live in fear every day I live in fear that people are going to think I'm stupid or that they're going to find out I that I'm not qualified enough to do this or, or yeah, at the time I was really suffering from my own inner critic so I, got, I don't you have to explain it to me because I don't understand mm. Silly. They're like, you will literally up sticks and move anywhere, do a job you're not convinced you can do where you know nobody. And they said, that's brave and fearless. And that's interesting. I thought it was flighty and a little bit stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine how different my life would be if I lived by your labels, not by my labels. 
So I'm doing the same thing, but how I feel about myself, how I feel about how I showed up in the world would be so different. So if as leaders, we can start to encourage our teams to share those things, to actually acknowledge each other for the bits that we do, for what we learn from each other, to, to just be grateful. It's that moment of saying, you know, thank you, that was amazing. Or, you know, I really appreciate what you did. Or just, you're an absolute rock star. I love working with you because you've always got my back. It has such a big impact. It has an impact if somebody says it to you because you feel good. You feel like you're adding value. You can switch off that part of your brain that's telling you you've not done enough. <laughs> but also, it builds that camaraderie. It's, you know, it's that piece that says, you know, if you smile at somebody, then you notice that they smile back. But if you then walk around and see what happens, they'll smile at somebody else. Like the mm. And poem says, smiles are infectious. The same is true with positivity and with camaraderie. So when we're trying to build that team spirit, it comes from us. We have to start it. But once we start it and we do it all of the time, I promise you the impact is priceless. People just get into that wanting to do better for each other because they've got yeah. control. I love this conversation. I think it's particularly powerful in the context of business owners and team building, because yes, there's there might be instances where you're team building in a way where you're bringing people on to your team yeah, yeah. at a very high level directly, or maybe at a fractional level, you've got a referral or something. But oftentimes we bring teammates in, I like to call it the mailroom strategy, bring them at a lower, more admin level first, and then train them up according to your processes. And this idea of, yeah, they might not be ready for where I see them in three years yet is really powerful. I think that there's a part of what I was hearing from you is there's two ways to really use this word in a helpful way with your team. One is calling out your teammates when they say things and you can encourage them to add the yet at the end, but also to think about your own thoughts of them. Yeah. And to just give you and them patience. Yes. Oh, I love that, Joey. That so beautifully put. We are so quick to leap to judgment. People are, even in conversations, you know, we have a conversation, we're scared of silence. As human beings, we're scared of silence. You're talking, and I know when you stop, I've got to talk. And I'm terrified of the silence. So halfway through, I stop listening to you because I'm thinking about what I'm going to say in response. <laughs> I might miss the most vital thing that happens that's in what you're saying. So actually, as leaders, we get really comfortable with the silence. We get really comfortable at truly listening to the person. And when they finish speaking, go, wow, that's great. Okay, what it's made me think is, so not feel I've got to leap straight in and allow myself to absorb what they've said and then come back. Because I, you can get such amazing insight. And people want to be at their base, I believe, People want to be listened to, they want to be understood, and they want to be respected. It doesn't mean we don't have to, we don't ever disagree, but you disagree, you don't disrespect. And we yeah. listen to understand them. What's important to you? What's, you know, we were chatting earlier, weren't we? Somebody gave me an amazing phrase last week, I loved it, which was, you don't know where the other, per where somebody else's shoes are pinching. And I mm. love because I know how awful it is when my own shoes pinch you know, like desperately trying to not focus on the fact that you want to actually take them off and throw them away <laughs> because you've got to get through the day but it distracts you because that piece 
you know, comes in. So you know, understanding somebody else's shoes might be pinching, something else might be going on. You don't know what's happening in their world. You know what story you've created, what you've decided to make up about their behavior. But until you actually take a moment, step back and ask them, you know, kind of what's going on in your world? How, you know, how might I help? Then you, we could be getting ourselves into conflict that we just don't need to, to get into. And there's some massively powerful stories that I've heard recently on, on shows where people have done just the team were very frustrated, very upset about it. And they're like, I said, let the team down. Why would you leave the, let the team down? And it wasn't until a little bit later they had another meeting. And I don't know how it came up that somebody asked the right question. And it was always like, what feedback do you want to give? And it got to him. And he got very upset in the meeting. And he said, I feel like I've let everybody down. I, you know, I, I know I didn't do good work last time. And it came out that actually he was dealing with a really severe illness in his family, in his very close family, lots of other challenges. And actually that had been a distraction and he wasn't using it as an excuse. He'd hoped that he'd been able to cover it, to leave it at home. But the minute the team knew that, all of a sudden, from being a, like they were all a bit frustrated with him because he didn't do what was expected, they were like, oh, my God, no, don't feel bad. You didn't do a bad job. You know, we did this and look what we've learned. So once we create that space where it's okay to share vulnerability without losing credibility, mm. and that's the key skill for business owners, for leaders, to create that space for their team. And you do some of that by sharing your own vulnerability, by sharing the bits that, of you, you know, the mistakes you made and the fact that actually you know, I made a mistake but I learned from it I'm not going to make the same mistake again I might make a brand new and exciting one yeah. but I won't make that one I want to circle back to what you and that those were such great points I want to circle back to what you said about how at the end of the day everybody wants to be what were those three things listened to respected listened to understood and respected. understood and respected now I want to take the conversation in a slightly different direction here but it relates, and I know just because you and I have worked together, this can come up as an issue. When you see business owners who have a sense on their team of drama or gossip, how do you effectively lean in to being a leader who listens and understands and respects, but also holds certain boundaries where you won't be a part of those dramatic conversations or are given to the gossip that's, that's such a great question Jerry, because it happens all the time doesn't it yeah and you, you see this where people have got themselves lost in the story <laughs> and the kind of the drama that they've created off the back of it instead of the what's actually happening and a key part of this is the fact that we've convinced ourselves as human beings that we're logical and that we make our decisions in a logical thoughtful manner but the reality is our emotional brain responds 24 times faster than our thinking brain mm. so we actually respond in emotion first and then we justify it with logic but we don't ever admit that and yet now neuroscientifically it's proven that it's the case ah. so one of the things that that you try with my team and some with people is what's happening and what are we making it mean because the gossip the story is about what we're making it mean. It's playing to something that's happening in our emotions somewhere. And then we're building on it. It's a bit like the, if you never deal with the frustration or the emotion that sits there, it stacks up. It's a bit like if you get into an argument and you're in the middle of it, you're like, and another thing, in 2004, yes. you actually emptied the dishwasher and you're like, really? You're still a problem? <laughs> I'm guilty of doing that before. 
because we've not dealt with the emotion as we go. So there's a fascinating book. I recommend it to absolutely everybody. It's called Crucial Conversations. And it mm. talks about the fact that in life, in business, in, in everyday life, there are moments when our conversations become crucial. And by that, what we mean is one or both parties is feeling some level of fear. Now, that could be fear of being made to be wrong, fear of being sold to, fear of looking stupid, fear of not knowing the answer. It doesn't matter what the fear is, but they're fearful of something. And because of that, what happens is we respond in either violence or silence. And what I mean by that is not we really stop beating each other up, but with violence, what we do is we start getting louder, we get more assertive, we get more aggressive. I use the analogy of you of them playing Pictionary with my best friend. If I don't get the picture, she underlines it. And I'm like, no, I can see it. I just don't know what it is. I mean, underlining isn't going to help me. That's just getting louder. I need different words. I need a different picture. But the opposite, the silence, is where we bury our head in the sand. We walk away. We hope it just go. We avoid the conflict and hope it disappears. Neither one of those works because the emotion's still there. The next time we come back into a conversation, it bubbles under the surface and we add this new thing to it. So now instead of it just being a slight little problem, it's become a story I tell about that person. It's a dialogue that happens the minute I come into contact with them. All these little things creep up. But in this book, it gives you these five simple steps and I use them all of the time. Oh, I love that. They work. So the first thing that you have to do is share a little bit of vulnerability. So let the person know you're not here to attack them. You're not here because you want to have a go. I'll say something like, I, I did it with a client the other day. So very senior client I can be a bit stoic and robust in his approach. And I needed to tell him something because he was causing damage to his business and to his team. But feedback isn't always, you know, it's a gift come with a receipt we're not always in the place where we want it so, so the conversation with him started with i'd really rather be anywhere here having this however vulnerability. i don't want to be here i'm conflicted about having to do this and then the second stage of it is share why you're doing it i said mm. however i need to have this conversation because you don't know that you're getting in your own way and the impact is detrimental to your team and to your business so I have to tell you because mm. if not, I'm not supporting you so you've shared some vulnerability I'm not here to attack you I've let you know I'm doing this because you're getting in your own way so I'm trying to help you I want to find a way through and then state your intention so what do you want to get out of having this conversation and my intention is always in everything that I'm 100% committed to finding a solution that works for both of us mm. it's a perfect statement because whatever comes next, I'm giving him my suggestion. I'm not wedded to it because I've said I'm 100% committed to finding a solution that works for both of us. On that basis, here's my recommendation. Let's talk about it. Does that work? Does it not work? If it doesn't work, that's fine because we're 100% committed to finding a solution that works for both of us. Yeah. So he can then give me his. If that doesn't work for me, I can go, that doesn't quite work for me in these parts, but that's okay because we're committed to finding something that works for both of us. So what parts of the two can we agree on? So we start to confirm where we're in agreement. Now, all of a sudden, the conflict's gone from being massive to much smaller because yeah. we've agreed on a lot of points. So we're like, oh, that's brilliant. Look how far we've come. And now all we've got to do is do this last little bit. So again, let's go back. We're committed to finding a solution that works for both of us. What other things can we try? And then you agree way forward. Uh, 
And I've used that not only in, in business and with clients and with their teams to manage conflict. I use it to have really difficult conversations in my personal life that yeah. normally have not wanted to be. Oh, there. that's super powerful. It reminds me of something that I read recently that I thought was a really powerful insight. They said all all problems that exist are interpersonal problems. And so what you just provided was a framework for not just like dealing with people issues, but dealing with any issue, because really every issue is a people issue. Absolutely. Because everything we do is people. I talk to businesses all the time, as I know you do, Jerry, and I, you know, I sit down with owners and I go, oh, Kim, the thing is, it's really complicated. And I was like, it is. Okay, but talk to me about your complication. Let me understand what's going on in your world. And they'll go, we well, see the thing is, I've got the customers, they're people. I've got business partners, they're people. I've got suppliers, they're people. I've got regulators, they're people. I've got my, I've got my team, they're people. Everything we do, every interaction we have is people. Get really good at people and the rest of it gets to be easy mm. because people want to feel valued. We want to feel like we can, that somebody thinks that we add something. It was, I use the analogy, I'm a girl, so I wear makeup and we've all been to those meetings where you get to the end of it. Oh, that was a total waste of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> say to myself every day I don't want anybody to have an interaction with me that they feel in their head was a total waste of makeup mm. that feels like so I want people to feel like okay that was interesting that I learned something or there was value add or I felt heard because they genuinely listened because they're all really powerful things and actually if we think about the factors as leaders if we get really good at people and go okay my greatest lesson in leadership prior to being a mum was being a hairdresser. So I started off as a hairdresser and they taught me to listen, to understand what the client wanted and then to do everything I could to help them to achieve it and to have them leave me feeling the best version of themselves. Oh, I love that. Leadership. If you do that with everybody you interact with, listen to understand what they're trying to do, help them to achieve it and leave them feeling the best version of themselves because they interacted with you. They're going to keep coming back. They're going to be a customer for life. Whether And as leaders, our people are our customers. If they don't like the way we lead, if they don't buy into the value that we bring to them, they'll leave. They'll go and find somebody who does bring that value. But that's also true of our customers. It's true of our suppliers. It's true of our business partners. Once we start looking at how do we add value to them, we live in a world of reciprocity. When we do that, People want to do good for us too. <laughs> My God, I, you know, I felt so much value from that. What can I do to add value back? Because we want to, we want to be fair as human beings. We don't want to feel like we've got all we got all of the goodness and the other person got none of it. So, actually, what you do therefore is create that um, virtuous circle where actually it, everybody just continues to grow and get better as a result of it mm. because they've got that buy-in. But before we we turn off on all of this, and this is such a great conversation, Kim Adela, again, I'm so grateful that you made time for this. I just along these lines of implementing that word yet to your conversations, to building your team, I want to hit on some things that might make this hard to implement. Yeah. And one thing that I know you and I have talked about is as a business owner, when you're aware of some problem in the business, it's way more easy and natural and common to say, oh, I don't want to be the source of the problem. 
So who else around me can I blame? And those are strong words, but we see it all the time. And a lot of times it doesn't, it's not a ill intent thing that we do. It's nothing that we do that's malicious or anything. It's just a natural way of us not wanting to be wrong or the source of the problem here. And so sometimes even though we like, even though we can complain about our team not being as strong as they are, there's a payoff to saying, I'm not the problem here. And when you're encouraging the word yet, you're shielding your team from being the source of the blame on things. Can you speak to how you've worked through that issue with your clients? Yeah, so it's such a great point because we don't we look for, for people to go and we find ourselves leaping to judgment. People will say something like, that's not right. <laughs> Instead of going, okay, that's really interesting. I've never thought of it that way before. Could you tell me more about how you came to that conclusion? Mm that judgment for curiosity but we've got to do that with ourselves as well we've got to do that piece that says hold on if they've not if they've not done what was expected what could I do differently to help them to get there um how do you know how do I do could I have asked them a different question could I have asked them a better question could I have provided any support to achieve it and not be so wedded I think the number one challenge that we've got again is two things is we're slightly wedded to being right that's how we value ourselves. We go, oh, that's okay, because I was right. So we look for ways to prove ourselves right. That's how we end up in arguments, because we're like, my way's right. And one of the things that I do with teams, and I've done it with business owners, is share that. We look at the theory of relativity. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. It's a law. So for everything we believe to be true, the exact opposite could also be true. It's mm. a perspective so i have a book that i use and on the cover on one side on the cover there's one word and on the other side on the cover there's nothing and i hold it up and i say if i were to hold this book up and say to you i'm looking at it there's nothing on the cover of the book would you say i'm right or i'm wrong they go you're wrong and i said and if i was adamant that i'm looking at it there is nothing on the cover of the book am i right or i'm wrong clearly wrong (laughs) I'm like let me turn it around and show you what I can see because on my side there's nothing written there what the question wasn't whether or not we were right or wrong the question was perspective from where are you standing what can you see actually open our mind to that says when somebody tells us something we think is wrong be curious ask them why they think that what is it that you can see that I've not considered because you might still disagree. I'm not saying we're all going to be on the happy clappy bus and everyone's going to never, never disagree again. But you'll learn something that allows both of you to move closer because our world is 360. It's not it's not one dimensional, but yeah. the decisions one dimensionally. Oh, that's so good. And to all of our listeners and viewers, I hope that you take that golden nugget for what it is, because the best business owners and coaches and mentors and leaders have become masters at when that book is between you two, figuring out the perspective on the other side and then walking everybody to your perspective. And it's not about just rushing to make your point and giving your advice based on what, but by as much as you can getting in the shoes of where they are, what their perspective is, and then helping them see a holistic view, including the view that you have. Oh, I love that. So eloquently put, Joey. I, one of the things I always remind people of is 
as adults, we don't check our data source. If I tell you something, it's propaganda. If you tell yourself something, it's possible because <laughs> you don't like mm. yourself. So actually, you know, as you said, as consultants and coaches and things, what we've got really good at is helping give you the stepping stones to see the other perspective and make it your own. Like you get there, we don't tell you what it is. Tell you what it is, you're gonna you're gonna think, oh, they're just lying. <laughs> yeah. But if we let you find it for yourself, it's yours. You got there. You're making that decision. You're controlling the change. And um, because that is what that's what we're here to do yeah. is not tell you what to do, but help show you that there's alternate ways that you'll find the one that works for you. And that's great because it's your life, your choice. Yeah. But it is being open being able to open the mind and things like the word yet trigger different parts of our subconscious brain so they get different parts of our brain working and i think the research shows that we only use 10 percent of the capacity of our brain imagine if we use just 11 percent, even if we didn't go all the way to 70 or 80 if we could just take it from 10 to 11 the impact would be immeasurable and the more we can question uh from a position of curiosity with ourselves as well as others. So when I find myself going, well, that's wrong, I ask myself, well, okay, what makes you think that? Why are you so convinced that's not the case? What stories are you telling yourself and what facts support those? And I guess that would be my one of the things to say to people is that what we tell ourselves, our subconscious brain is the happiest little helper we will ever have, but it doesn't know help or harm. So when we tell it something, it goes into the library of our brain and it finds all of the evidence to prove us. So we have to ask it the opposite. So if I say to myself, I'm really rubbish at public speaking, it will run into the library of my brain and it will remind me of the time 21 years ago when I stood up and told 480 people that one of the charities, the credit cards that we were launching was going to support was Imperial Leather, which is a soap in the UK. And I knew <laughs> cancer. I was mortified. And it was like, oh, oh, my goodness. I've never said anything that stupid again. But that's the memory mm. that comes back when I say I can't do public speaking. I then have to ask myself, are there any examples where I'm actually okay at public speaking? Then it runs back and it comes, come and ask your question. One of my favourites, written interaction with it. Um, you've added some value, you've made, it, you've made a difference. So I think it's those parts. So one of the things that, can really help you and it can help with your team is when you tell yourself something you, and you have to do that bit first so you tell yourself you catch what you're telling yourself you've got all the evidence ask yourself out loud are there any examples that i'm good at this or that mm. it could be true because then you get your brain to go and work on that for you and all of it is about helping us shift our perspective and it's not major shift and people think that the change is going to be massive the change is often like millimeter shifts tiny little thing but all of those build consistently into monumental change yeah and we could go for hours kim and Della and i but this is the high value that you get from working with someone like kim and Dell. like most people if they said oh i'm not a good speaker they would be like yeah you are you're a great speaker but they wouldn't encourage you to do the mental work that gets you to believe it differently and change things in the way that your mind is working so that you can show up and act differently. It's not just having a hype human next to you that is telling you what you want to hear. It's the fact that the opposite actually is true. And there are ways to guide the way that you think 
because the next level leaders and business owners, they, it's not that they just naturally are great and their mindsets are wired to do this stuff. It's they've gotten good at making these micro mindset shifts and they don't let their default thoughts and feelings drive all their behaviors. Oh, absolutely. And that they've got these coping mechanisms because, you know, one of the things is people say, well, do you overcome things? And I was like, I would never say you completely overcome it. And the reason for that is you never know what new situation, what new set of circumstances are going to come up that you've never been in. But what you do is you recognize what I'm saying isn't serving me. Do I want it to be true? So this label yeah. I'm coming up with, do I want that to be true? And if not, ask yourself other questions. Could the opposite be true? Okay, based on that, so I know I can get it, I can get it wrong, but I also know I can get it right. So what choice am I going to make? Because it's now about choice. Because mm-hmm. my husband says, I can get it wrong, but I can get it right. So what am I going to do? I'm going to learn from the times I got it wrong, and I'm going to take the opportunities from the times I got it right. And I'm going to move forward and do something different. And it's being that, being more conscious of our thinking, taking those moments. One of the things I get people to do is at the end of every day when we're learning this, because it took us a long time to create the labels that we've got today. Mm. It's going to take us a while to change them. So you've got to do it as repetitively as you did it in the first instance. At the end of every day, just take a moment and say, who did I touch today? And by that, what I mean is who said thank you to me? Who said, oh my God, that was really useful because I learned it. Or whatever it was where you know that you added some value. What did you learn? And the learns don't have to be something that went wrong. The learn could be something you were dreading, a conversation you put off that you had and it was nowhere near as bad as you thought it was. Or an action you thought you weren't able to take and you took it and actually it was amazing. Or actually it can be something that went wrong, but there was a lesson in there for us. Yeah. Um, and therefore, what's my takeaway from today? And write them down because then actually when you look back over time, you suddenly realize that actually there's so much positive stuff that's going on. I'm passionate about positivity. And that isn't because life's always, life's thrown me the odd plot twist along the way. I've had life-threatening illnesses, divorces, miscarriages, you name it, but they're all there to teach us something. You know, I always think to myself, if I'm not feeling blessed right now, with whatever situation because if I'm not being blessed I'm being taught something that's going to help me find that lesson and then how do I learn it because then that becomes my blessing but I do that with my teams as well to say if it's not feeling like you feel blessed right now what are you learning what's it telling you what are you supposed to be doing different that helps you to feel more positive about it because we use the analogy don't we that we've got people who think the glass is half empty or the people that think the glass is half full neither one of them is right because it's a glass it's refillable it doesn't matter if it's half full or it's half empty what can you do to fill it back up should be the question that we ask because then we're back in control yeah that's so great there's again you guys Go back if you're watching this live. There are so many golden nuggets in this interview. Kim Adele, thank you so much for your time. We'll have to have you back on maybe when your book is ready and out. Love, love to. And thank you so much, one, trusting me with to come on your show. That's that is so appreciated. It's such a massive sense of trust when you invite somebody to come and share your space. So thank you. Thank you to everybody listening for putting up with me. (laughs) Hopefully I added some value and I would love to come back.
You absolutely did. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage. I'll catch you all next week. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn